0: Welcome back to Return to Oz Minute. We're analyzing the 1985 Disney cult classic, or just classic, <laughs> Return to Oz. We're doing this one minute at a time, and I am one of your hosts, Tierney Steele,
1: and I'm Mike Carlucci, the other host.
0: <laughs> Co-host equal. You know, I I feel bad that I kind of took over going first, but. I've enjoyed completely improving these intros for 106 minutes, and I feel like I owe all our listeners an apology. <laughs> um, uh, yes, today we're going to talk about minute 106. I can't believe we're here. Uh, it starts with Auntie M telling Dorothy to go outside. And it ends with the credit for editor Leslie Hodgson. Uh, And I very much enjoy that Toto here is treated as a being of choice. I was trying to think of the term because it's not just sentient. Aunt Em is implying that both Dorothy and Toto should go enjoy the nice day. Like if you listen to her wording, Dorothy should go outside and Toto should go outside. Yeah. I love it.
1: Uh, well, maybe, maybe Aunt Em also participated in the in the uh, the like three way mirror call with Ozma and Toto, and they Aunt, <laughs> Aunt Em and Ozma both want Toto to watch over Dorothy. They're not letting her go out by herself.
0: That that seems fair. If I were Aunt Em, I would be super overprotective by this point. Um, and speaking of overprotectiveness. Uh, finally, there's something Toto does in this movie that I don't like. Um, there's a little squeal when they run outside that is, I like, I'm sure they just wanted the dog to make a noise so that you heard the dog outside, Yeah. but it's way too close to an in-pain noise. I don't think it actually is. I think it's just a squeal, but you know how, like, sometimes dogs squeal and it's almost the noise of something happening to them and, like... All my protective instincts are firing where I just want to go hug that dog and make sure it's okay. Oh,
1: poor Toto. He was acting I, I, as hard as he could.
0: I know. Little little Toto and and we're going to we're going to get to Toto's credits. Um that starts our credits which begin over Dorothy and Toto kind of playing in the yard essentially. Um so I I have a little note about them playing in the yard, but uh are you good to start with our director Walter Merch. I'm not gonna talk about everyone. <laughs> yeah
1: Oh uh, no I only have one other one other note
0: yeah
1: um, it was in the last last minute too. Next to Aunt Am's head for the first few few minutes there's mm-hmm. what's I'm assuming is like a doorstop or something. It just looks like it's a phone, right? Wait like Dorothy's house phone hanging up on the wall.
0: Oh my god, it does! <laughs> you know what it is? I know what it is. It's um, it's a piece of wood that has been nailed and you can turn it horizontal to lock the door.
1: Oh, okay. So
0: that the door wouldn't be able to open. I'm like, word.
1: Yeah. yeah, I was like, I'm sure it's a door stop of some sort. But yeah, that makes yeah, sense.
0: It's, it's to lock the door. It's, it's, it's a super old school, simple door lock. But I, I love that in my 80s mind, I did not question that at all. Yeah, we also didn't mention her lovely little kerchief thing going on. It's my turn to show my lack of fashion knowledge. Um, (laughs) I did notice uh, Aunt Em's dress has a lot of pleats as well as tiny little puff sleeves, which I have called out on this show before because the whole point is supposed to be that the Gales are not wealthy, but they have very fancy clothes for Poor farmers in Kansas.
1: This dress is expensive too.
0: Anytime there's pleats or puffs like that, you're using more material. So you're going to have to spend more money on more fabric. When if you made a plain dress, you would get more out of each yard of fabric.
1: I mean, I think it's the Garnet Windfall. They didn't have to spend (laughs) it on the doctor. So now they've got wallpaper and a new wardrobe for Aunt M. Uh, yeah, yeah, because I the old one was lost in the tornado.
0: They're implied to be doing pretty well here at the end, so I I didn't originally call it out, but I also can't believe I didn't question her little lace thing that connects around her neck. I have no idea what that is. Um, we we plug our listener society every day on this podcast, and please, if you have knowledge of you know, turn-of-the-century costuming and know what that is called, please let me know, because I'm so very confused on what its function is supposed to be.
1: That makes sense. Uh,
0: Yeah. Um. So, yeah, I I wasn't going to call out every credit, obviously, because we don't need to be here for the rest of our lives. But we do have Walter Murch's director credit, which is a beautiful, lovely thing. And... John knows he went through a lot getting this movie made, so good on him. We also get a based on credit for the bomb books, the two books, um, which, you know, I don't know how much I want to get into a debate about how well they were combined. I feel like we've talked about them being combined quite a bit in the podcast.
1: I think given the number of plot lines that were in the books and the amount that made it into the movie and formed a coherent start to end in about a hundred minutes did it an amazing job.
0: (laughs) Yes. Oh, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's, this is Disney's own thing. And it is amazing that this came together. Like, the more I think about it, the more I'm, I'm just in awe that this movie exists and it's here and it's great. I also want to just shout, hi, to executive producer Gary Kurtz oh, of Star Wars fame.
1: I can't believe Gary Kurtz worked on this movie and, like, The Empire Strikes Back.
0: <laughs> there was a lot of crossover, friends left and right. Um,
1: and, and, uh, don't forget, the producer, Paul Maslansky, I don't know what else he did, uh... <laughs> I've not done my homework on, on Paul Maslansky, but you could say Mas- Maslansky sounds like the uh, Masahi Temple, you know, it, I'm sure he was, he deserved a temple for his work producing this film, is what I'd like to say. He should have a dice monument. I hope he got lots of recognition for it.
0: I refuse to look it up now because that was beautiful. <laughs> um... And I I hadn't made a note for that. I had made a note uh, that I didn't research but on purpose because I prefer my headcanon. Here's a credit for Silver Screen Partners 2. You know, Roman numeral 2. What happened to Silver Screen Partners 1? (laughs) Did 2 kill it to take its place? Silver Screen Partners is dead. Long live Silver Screen Partners. I'm sure there is an actual reason, but I preferred my, like, what? Because, you know, when you analyze a movie one minute at a time for 106 minutes, these are the things your brain starts to do.
1: Okay, I've looked up Paul Paul, uh, Maslansky. Maslansky. Paul Maslansky. I'll edit out that one. So he is a very prolific producer. Uh, Mm -hmm. He's known for... Among other things, Police Academy. A Uh-oh. number of them. A number of the Police Academy movies.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, two, three, four, five. The Police Academy TV show. Police Academy six. Police Academy mission to to Moscow. Police Academy, the, the series again. <laughs> Apparently, there's a new Police Academy in production that he's listed on. No date, but it's after 2017. And for all our... Uh, crossover with Indiana Jones Minute. In nineteen eighty, he was the producer of a movie simply called Ruckus. <laughs> so oh, man. this is everything I could have wanted. Yeah, but Police Academy. <laughs> I mean this he he was at like that's that's eighties he was he did Police Academy and returned to Oz in the eighties. Like that's the stuff of legend. That's all you need. Oh, I'm
0: so glad I'm so glad you found your guy. <laughs> Um, we also get an introducing credit for Farouza Balk, which we've talked before about how, no, for real, introducing. Like, this is her first feature film, uh, and she stars in it, and she does a great job, and, you know, it launched a successful, not crazy, career. I mean, I don't think Farouza Balk is going to be offended if we say, like, well, she's not, like, an A-list celebrity, but she's certainly recognizable and well-known and has been in some great stuff. So this is pretty exciting. I still have never seen a great explanation for when an introducing credit is used and when it isn't. I've got to assume it's a contract negotiation thing. But it it's just weird because there are definitely movies where that, that could be it, but it doesn't. So I don't know. But I guess once you once you made this movie and cast this kid who before this was completely unknown, introducing is legitimate. Like you know she's gonna go on and do more stuff. She was Dorothy Gale.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh no. It's it's well earned and she does a, I mean this is a great performance for a child actor at the very beginning of their career.
0: Yeah. Like That's...
1: you never doubt that she's Dorothy. <sighs> yep.
0: I want to look Any of the -the behind-the-scenes stuff that exists. Well, we've looked at most of it, though, because there is so little. Because I want, like, the story of her audition. Like, how did Faruza Balk become Dorothy Gale? But these are not things that are widely talked about. I wonder if there's a good biography of Faruza Balk. I've never, I've never questioned that before. Um, I will have to find out. But not while on recording a podcast live. (laughs) Um... (laughs) So I did have one more note for this minute specifically, which is because as these are scrolling by, we are, or flashing back, we are hearing Dorothy and Toto playing in the yard, as I mentioned. And I'm calling it a yard, it's the farm, whatever. They're playing, they're running around, having a good time. Her laugh is exactly like Thora Burchess and Hocus Pocus. So oh. I think we should do a Movies by Minutes podcast on it, because it's clearly an heir to this movie.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, it does have Doug Jones.
0: Yeah. When Thora Birch is running around outside the school and they're celebrating with the cat after, uh, you know, I want a book, is uh, it's the same laugh. Like, I, I played it a bunch of times and was like, oh my gosh. And it's, you know, the Halloween season has just passed, so Hocus Pocus has been around a lot in pop culture and it's just like it's the same now it, it's just because they're young girls and probably about the same age but it was just so crazy it like went right into my brain i'm like i've heard that before
1: <laughs> <laughs> nice.
0: so yeah next year hocus pocus right mike <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, it hasn't been stressful editing a podcast that releases five days a week has it
1: No, you know, but we'll we'll revisit it in the future. (laughs) Hocus Pocus, eh, yeah, but maybe someone else will do it and we'll just have to appear.
0: There you go. Well, we've already put in our plug to appear on Twister Minute when that gets put together. That has already been claimed as the Movies by Minute's podcast.
1: (laughs) Ah, Twister.
0: Which I feel is the true heir to this movie.
1: Yeah, Dot 3.
0: Oh, so good. So good. Uh, So that will be exciting someday. I I really, though, cannot cast any shade on however long it takes anyone to put together a podcast. Because I have my next project lined up, but no start date for it. (laughs) (laughs) I thought I had a tentative start date that was like six months from now, which should have been totally fine. And now that may be pushed back, too. So, yeah, who knows? Who knows? It, it takes a lot. So, um yeah, this is we have reached the credits. How you feeling?
1: Not to walk back everything we were saying last minute about definitely if you have a good idea and motivation startup podcast, still do it. It's there's a lot of work, oh, but oh, yeah. but still do it. It's, so um, we're we're, it's, we're still on board with you. We encourage you. <laughs> We're just we're also glad to get to the end. Like you can you can have both. This has been a great process. Oh my god! But it's a lot yeah. of work. Like I I do not know. Uh, I listen to a daily. Well, we both listen to the uh, effectively wild baseball podcast. Yep. I don't know how Ben Lindbergh edited it when they were doing five days a week of a daily a live daily. Po- I mean not live but. They recorded every day and released the next, you know, for the next day. Like, I don't know how he did that.
0: I'm not entirely convinced that Ben Lindbergh sleeps. I mean, I'm just saying (laughs) with everything that he's involved in. Um, I recently guested on, well, not horribly long ago, guested on the Cosmic Geppetto podcast. And they were asking, like, what would who would be your dream guest for this? And I said Ben Lindbergh because they talk about everything. They talk yeah. about movies. And they talk about superheroes. And they talk about TV. And they talk about, well, mostly wrestling for sports. But I would, it was, And music. And I was just like, Ben Lindbergh would be perfect because you could have him on for, like, so many different things. It'd be great. And he's a great podcaster and all this stuff. And then I was like, I feel awful saying that because... He must get so many. Like, when would he ever have time? <laughs> Even now, the Effectively Wild isn't daily. Like, it's still multiple times a week. So, what is it? Three times a week now, I think? So.
1: Yeah. Well, plus, it's, he has um, the video game podcast. and, like, yep.
0: I, and I don't Ringer know how. Multi- Ringer MLB is multiple times a week.
1: Oh, yeah. So, he, he has three podcasts that come out during. I don't know how he. Uh, I mean, it's it's his job, but yeah. s- but still, and I, I still don't feel, understand it. <laughs> and
0: it makes me feel very lazy for all the times I complained about being tired for doing this and never-ending minute at the same time, and I wasn't even doing the editing for either of those shows. Because <laughs> <laughs> that was my deal with you guys when I realized that they were going to be releasing at the same time. It was like I. I can't do it. Like, obviously, if you ever run into a problem, call me. But I can't do two and be editing at the same time. So it, it, it worked out. There were a couple interesting weeks. But <laughs> but we made it. We're, we're officially here. Credits are happening. Oh, so exciting. Um, Yeah, there was some debate over whether or not we were going to cover the credits. And I would just like to say I am team... They are minutes that are in our movie, so I'm going to come up with notes for every minute until we hit that lovely 110, which is our last.
1: Oh. so
0: so you're you're just gonna have to stick it out with me because I am a literal stubborn person like that. Well, and again, as we've mentioned before, and it's not like they're egregiously long.
1: No, they're 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 pretty short, I'm sure. <laughs> Production designer Norman Reynolds could agree with that.
0: <laughs> so yes, when you're when you're taking notes, any anyone you know, and of course, if we miss someone that you know are in these credits, and like, what are you guys doing? You didn't talk about whoever. Uh, hop over onto the Facebook group, Return to Oz Minute listeners, flying sofa, and tell us there. Uh, if you aren't on Facebook or just prefer Twitter, we're at Oz Minute, so you can reach us. Those ways. And we have the website return to us, minute.com that's kind of a catch-all.
1: And of course, you can get there through Weog, Teog, Pog.com. The magic words. They brought Jack to life. They brought the gump to life. They brought the podcast to life. Boy, that's Aww. that's good. I should have used that ages ago. <laughs> 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 oh. It only took 105 minutes, 106 minutes. <laughs> oh man,
0: that's so good. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll, well, we'll count it. We're all good here. Um, come back tomorrow and we will have some more info on what it took t- and who it took to get this movie made. Until then, we-og.
1: T-O-G. P-O-G.